What is up? What is happening? Welcome back to episode 114 of Skates at the Stakes. Today is Wednesday, August 23rd. Every day we're getting closer to preseason, getting closer to training camp. Summer's almost over, the weather is starting to turn into fall now. I'm getting excited, hockey's almost back, and we had some banging news, not for the Islanders, but for the league. Austin Matthews re-signed today with the Toronto Maple Leafs, four years for 13 million dollars i believe it was 13.25 if i'm wrong someone uh check me up on that one of my two co-hosts of course not the you the uh audio listener but big news coming out of the league i know uh lafreniere also resigned that no not that anyone cares about that bust really but hockey news hockey news hockey news boys jake i'll kick it off to you how are you doing on this fine wednesday Good, yeah, we got uh, some news around the league this week. We're getting a day closer to rookie camp, training camp, preseason. And the owners just tweeted out a promo about preseason tickets. So, you know, it's getting closer, and I'm um, very excited uh, for the season to, you know, start again. And I'll kick it over to my pal, Ryan. Hey, everyone, welcome back to the pod. Uh, very excited to be on with you guys this uh, nice summer night. Yeah, uh, Austin Matthews resigns in Toronto. Uh, you know, we really weren't going to be in the sweepstakes for him last summer. This current Islanders team, I was thinking about this today, is going to be the Islanders team pretty much for the next two seasons with some bits and pieces and re-signings coming up in 2025. But for the most part, we got our guys. We were never really going to be in on Matthews, so I am not worried. You know, um, he's, he had a down year last year. I, I noticed he only had 40 goals where Bo Horvat had 38. And I thought that was pretty interesting. thought that was cool. I know Matthews missed a couple more games, but thought that was fun. Uh, but besides that, you know, he's, he's one of the best players in the league. Um, a lot of people were like, this is a steal for the Leafs. I don't know. I feel like you should have won eight years if you want to be there long term. But um, five more years of Matthews in Toronto, and he'll be there longer than number 91. So maybe I won't have to hate him in like four or five years. So we'll see how it goes. Um, don't really care for the guy because he plays with 91, but whatever. Um, yeah, not not too deep, not too many hard feelings. The last contract's pretty funny. I thought it was uh, a little bit too much, but we'll, we'll see how that turns out. Yeah, I mean, Matthews, he's definitely worthy of the money. Don't get me wrong. Should he be paid higher than McDavid? Obviously not, but that's how the market's going to work. Obviously, when McDavid's up, he'll be the highest player again, and it's kind of how the cookie will crumble. I'm just happy we had some big news for a change. Not that we're really an NHL-based podcast, but it's just cool to see some breaking stuff finally starting to play out. We know that um, Elliot Friedman's starting to interview guys like Tim Stutzel, I believe, William Nylander, so I'm excited to, for those interviews to come out. I'm just excited for hockey to be back. With the Lafreniere contract, it's fine. Like, What was it, 2 by 2.3? Who cares? Yeah, Staple had a good tweet about it where he said something like he listed out all of the um, the contracts for first overalls on their second deal, and it's, it's the worst one since uh, Neil Yakupov, so I thought that was pretty interesting. Apparently, the Rangers police is behind you, Ryan, because they're coming after you for talking bad about their boy, Alexis Lafreniere. They don't really seem to care for him too much either, so that's that's totally fine, um, or depending on who you ask. But yeah, no, I think I'm, I think I'm safe in devil's country in New Jersey, but I do see <laughs> the odd Rangers hat around here every now and then. Um, and that are, there was also the Evan Bouchard contract this morning, oh. which I 
pretty interesting. Him and Noah Dobson, two very close players in the same draft. Um, similar production level, similar problems to their game on the defensive end. He signs for 100000 less than Dobson, but he's on the same two-year timeline. He took a year less than Dobson. It'll be interesting to see how these two guys get paid in a couple of years. One gets to play with McDavid, and then one, you know, has been... Uh, either you know kind of sink or swim for the islanders power play if he's good it's uh, swimming if he's bad it's sinking we saw the worst of noah dodson last season and you know we're going to talk about some uh, islanders under pressure after we have our next segment uh but dodson is definitely going to be a big talking point for that point of the pod uh but just thought that was interesting kind of islanders adjacent i know we've done bouchard versus dobson and i still say it's pretty close because dobson plays a bigger role than bouchard um but yeah just thought that was an interesting point yeah, I know that was kind of an ongoing joke I had with Jake. Every time Dobson did something, I would text him or say to him, because I'd be next to him, Bouchard better, right, buddy? But uh, yeah, Dobson didn't have the best year last year, and Bouchard had a great year. Really good contract for the Oilers. Like you said, there are some problems with the player, but still very successful year, to say the least, especially, you know, playing alongside McDavid and Dreisaitl. You should be able to put up those kind of points if you're the best power play defenseman on your team. So. I mean, let's let's not let's not say it was great. He had forty points. Dobson still hit fifty. I mean, it's it's uh, Dobson's much better, I think, at this point of his career. How how many points did he have in the playoffs? So I felt like there was one stretch of the season, it might have been late towards the end of the year, or the playoffs, where he was just putting up points every night and he was dominate, dominating. I'm surprised yeah, you're right. he's only in 40. the playoffs. He had seventeen points. Um, okay. When they were in sicko mode, uh, he kind of flamed out during the Vegas series, only coming at four points in five games. But still, or oh no, he had five points in five games. But still, you know, he had a great playoff run. But McDavid is gonna make. Imagine if we had McDavid on the Islanders, Dobson would probably get like sixty or seventy. He he just has a lot more responsibility because I think Darnell Nurse ran their power play for most of the season. Or no, Tyson Berry did. For yeah. Most of the season. And then once they gave. Um, Bouchard the reins, he started to grow. So maybe last year will be his Dobson, you know, first year where he starts to take off and they'll take off further in a second. Uh, but I still think that was the higher ceiling player. We'll see, because, like, you do, I do agree with that take, that Noah does have the higher ceiling. It's more likely than not Bouchard will get the praise and get that quote-unquote higher ceiling because of his points total playing with McDavid. So it all depends how people and fans that aren't Islander or other fans really look at it. One obviously plays with McDavid, but we'll see. I just want hockey to be back now. I'm so bored. Baseball sucks. The Yankees suck. Mets aren't doing great. They're doing better than the Yankees, not saying much, but I'm just tired of seeing the uh, constant Mets and Braves uh, Twitter battles that have been going on in my timeline. I'm a fan of neither team, and my timeline's full of that, and it's full of the uh, Jake Paul and Dylan Dennis uh, beef, boxing beef going on right now. I just need hockey back, man. I, this is a sick part of the summer. Yeah, it's not great. I mean, I'm watching the Mets game on a second screen right now, and it's it's whatever. Yeah, season's gone. Just got to root for the team. Just gets frustrating. Um, but aside from that, yeah. Um, well, there was the kind of weird part of the summer where we heard from an old friend. Um, I could get into this part. You know, Garth Snow um, made his first public reappearance. I know he did an interview, I think, with uh, Kevin Kurz over the summer, which had a much lighter tone. And then uh, I know Arthur Staples 
people put out an article about him like, oh, why hasn't Garth been hired yet earlier in the year? But Ethan Sears of the New York Post uh, decided to put out kind of a Garth Snow puff piece. And uh, this was very interesting. I know we saw it kind of the day before it blew up on Twitter. And we're like, oh, that's pretty interesting. But let's see where it goes. And Garth, uh, Garth talked about the Islanders for the first time at length in a while. It was it was an interesting piece. I'll just go over the piece kind of before we get into our takes on it. But uh, Garth basically said that uh, the Don Tavares negotiations were limited by ownership that um you know at a certain point scott malkin took over negotiations from snow told snow he couldn't trade john tavares at the trade deadline that year um told him that john tavares was gonna stay an islander at the end of the year guard snow believes that uh uh, he was fired for not being able to sign Don Tavares, and then they moved on to Lou Lamorello. And Garth claims that Lou Lamorello implemented various recommendations that Garth had made, but the team hadn't let him do, uh, which I thought was one of the weirder parts of the article, him to just say that. He says he's proud of the guys that he drafted and selected uh, that have been able to make an impact for the Islanders during this last successful run. But, um, you know, he, he feels like he deserves another shot in the NHL, and he would like that one day. So that's those are the main talking points of the article. AJ, I'll kick it over to you first. What what did you think reading it? I know there was a lot of mixed opinions saying that, oh, why is Garth blaming Malkin? Why is he pointing the finger now after all these years? Obviously, he's out, officially out of contract now. It's just really weird timing for everything to happen. I mean, it's good for the podcast, don't get me wrong. It gives us something to talk about that's kind of meaningful, but... Do we really believe everything Garth is saying here? I don't know. I really want to... I'm not going to call Garth Snow a liar. I think Malkin probably did get his hands involved and ownership wanted to take control of negotiations. But also, like, I don't think Garth was as much of a puppet as he's making it out to be. Because he's really just saying he had no leverage in anything. He just sat there, looked pretty, and just had his hands on his lap like a schoolboy and did nothing. That's what you really want to put out there, saying that as the GM of a hockey team. I don't get me wrong. Nothing, no disrespect to Garth Snow. I know a lot of people have mixed opinions on him. Some really like him now. Some really don't like him. Not from this article, but how the team has progressed over the last few years. It's just really weird timing, and I kind of want to take it all in a little bit more before I have a full opinion on what I feel on this article. It's just weird, because he's basically saying he had next to no power about the most important franchise piece that hockey has seen hit free agency. Maybe besides Stamkos. I don't think Stamkos ever really hit free agency, though. I think he was signed before the window closed. Someone can double-check me on that one. I think he, he no, definitely right. did. Okay. It was right before. It was draft night. Gotcha. So yeah. we're saying that the GM's now blaming the owners and saying he had no position. How does that look good for any of his future employers wanting to hire him. I mean, yes, you can go back with saying, oh, they didn't give me the opportunity to let, you know, let me cook, but also you're the GM of the New York Islanders. Step up and yell. Make some noise. I guess, you know, they're your bosses, so I understand, but it's just a really weird power dynamic concept where he's basically saying he had no power or any leverage at all. Am I right here, Ryan? Am I missing anything? Or No, I, I think you're right. I mean, look, he said 
look in my line of work or you know work in general when your boss takes over for you on something it means you're not doing a very good job right when your boss has to yank something out of their, your hands and say yeah, i'm gonna do it um garth basically said that you know at a point malkin didn't think he was competent this isn't garth's word but words but he said at a point nothing was moving on the Tavares front so malkin took over and said you're not gonna trade him that having been said that doesn't change like i, I saw some islanders fans spin this so like oh Tavares. Not not fans, you know, the, the kind of fair weather people who just want to get mad about, you know, anything with the team. But they were saying, like, oh, Tavares didn't really, you know, he didn't really push the envelope. No, John, John still said he wanted to leave. John still said he did not want to be in, or he still said he wanted to stay and then made that decision on July 1st. Uh, Garth kind of set the negotiations up for failure by signing that lad deal. You know, you could have thrown that lad money at Tavares. You could have went over the cost structure they had in place. You know, he, he kind of he blew it. He didn't have a truly competitive team for Tavares' last two years, and Tavares winds up walking. So it is on Garth a little bit. I, I, I am sympathetic to Garth. He did, you know, he was a very good drafter during his time with the Islanders. A pretty good drafter, I wouldn't say very good. But he was a good drafter during his time here. He got washed in a couple trades. He washed guys in a couple trades. He was a league average GM. I think he should work in hockey again. But he really didn't need this because I don't think the New York Post is really having that much pull in 2023 where it helped him get another job. But he wanted his piece out there. He says he feels bad about Highlanders fans treat Tavares. But the other thing is him and Tavares are buddies. Uh, they were very close during his time here. And it just felt like, you know, a guy sticking up for his friend and saying, stop booing this guy, which at this point of Islanders fandom, we're going to boo Tavares. I know some people are over it, but for some people, the wound's still cut deep. And I'm one of those people. I'm going to keep booing the guy no matter what our fire general manager says the second that his paycheck stopped coming in the door. So it's frustrating. I, I don't know. Uh, did I answer your question there, AJ? Yeah, you did. It's just really weird how, like, everything is played out. I do have a side question after I'll get to, but... <sighs> Who would have thought in the year 2023 that we're so, we'd still be talking about Tavares leaving and Garth Snow and all this crap? We need, I don't need, I guess we do need this. We might need a ESPN 30 for 30 or an E60, one of those documentaries one day on it. TSN should probably start picking up some hockey coverage, like how ESPN does it. Make some good hockey documentaries, please. This so much, is that too much to ask for? Yeah, they normally go on YouTube. Um, it's it's interesting. I mean, look, it's a part of the Islander identity at this point before I kick it over to Jake. Like, you know, this guy cut us so deep. Uh, we tanked. We were the worst team in the league. We committed to this guy. Garth Snow couldn't build around him. And he made that decision after playing us on. We couldn't trade him at the trade deadline, which this adds some, you know, subtext too. But the main text is Tavares still told ownership, don't trade me at the trade deadline. And he didn't get traded at the deadline and then he walks for nothing and we were about to be plunged into another dark age but Barry Trotz and you know his boss Lou Lamorello came in and saved saved the day brought through you know four teams at this point that have been ultra competitive and have given us great memories that you know if if anyone who was less competent like Garth Snow we wouldn't have had those memories we would have went into a full rebuild and the Islanders would probably be like the Red Wings right now trying to pull their way out of a rebuild so it's brutal but uh Jake what, what did you think of the Garth article here yeah it's weird I like I would kind of say it's not something Garth Snow needed to kind of put out I understand he is out of a job right now he's off the payroll he's kind of obviously looking for a job in hockey but I don't think this is really going to help him you know just kind of 
putting this piece out with the post. I know it was Ethan Sears that put this all out. Um, very interesting. He says, oh, uh, they're, they're listening to Lou. Um, and, but I had the same idea. It's like they're obviously going to listen to, you know, one of the you know, most respected GMs of the um, in the league that they just hired over, you know, Garth Snow. So, I mean... I wasn't very surprised by that. I would listen to Lou Emerald over Guard Snow. It's just weird. It's a weird saga, and it's a weird time to bring it up. But I guess it's a good time to bring it up because like, it's something to talk about. I know Anxiety dropped an episode this week, um, and their hiatus to talk about it. A lot of people are talking about it. So uh, if that's the point, it, it's working. But um, it's just kind of weird to put out, and it's weird to talk about it You know, five years later. But I understand it was on the payroll before, so that kind of makes it you know, tough, but yeah, I, that, those are my kind of thoughts on it. What? And to get in the mud a little bit here, sorry, Jay, but, um, you know, don't lesson we not forget, Ethan Sears was the guy who was asking Lula Morello in the second half of the season if, if Lou was going to walk at the end of his contract and what the future was. So, you know, going and getting an interview with the, uh, the former GM and uh, leaving in all kind of the dirty stuff that Garth had to say, I, I thought that was a little interesting going down the line. Yeah, he, we'll see how on, Lou reacts first day of camp. He's yeah. on thin ice. Yeah, Sears real really has that uh, Islanders beat writer villain art going for him right now. Yeah, it's 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 hard to stay out of you know that the, the zone where you know my part of the fan base like people who you know ride or die with this team, the GM, no matter what, like you know where we're gonna ride with this team until this thing fizzles out here with Lou. Uh, that it's gonna draw the ire of those people, but I do know some people like oh I see, he's saying he's saying the Islanders suck. He's saying it how, how it is. Like people who want the team to be bad, uh, those uh, self-loathing Islanders fans. But you know maybe maybe people appreciate. It. I haven't really read too much of Sears' work. I thought this piece was pretty pretty much just handing Garth a mic and he turned into a boomstick. I mean, credit to him for doing it because it's generating stuff for his name. So, I mean, good for him in that aspect. I don't know too much about Sears. I found out about him maybe a few years ago when someone, I think one of the beat, I think maybe Gross went on vacation or Stape went on vacation and they said, oh, follow Ethan Sears. He'll be covering the Islanders while I'm gone or whatever. And yeah, I mean, I don't know too much about the guy. I'm not going to come here and crap on him. All I know is he's kind of had an interesting villain arc the last few months going from the Lou argument or, you know, asking Lou if he's retiring or leaving, which I mean, it's Lou Amarillo. You think he's going to tell you that answer to now interviewing Garth Snow and creating a very good talking point in the end of August. So, I mean, I tip my cap to you, Ethan Sears, maybe. I, I don't know. Everything's just kind of weird, but perfectly timed, to say the least. Yeah. Not totally, but, it, you know, it's still an interesting story. Like, I'm glad we got this instead of nothing. Like, if Garth wanted to show his true colors, I'm just glad we heard him. I have to ask this question also, just to wrap up the uh, Tavares-Garth Snow talk. Let's say the year's 2027. The Islanders are contending for a Stanley Cup and John Tavares wants to come back to Long Island to right his wrongs would you accept him back on the team yes or no Jake we'll kick it off to you first that's tough uh, I know we've we haven't on the podcast talked about it but I remember us having this conversation a few years ago um I I I, I guess yes um at the end of his career if he wants to and his career, where it started, um, and, you know, contribute to the team at a considerable uh, pay rate, 
maybe. Um, you know, I would say yes, but you know, it's tricky because you know, fuck the guy for leaving, and I can easily say no, but I'll, I'll lean towards yes, and I'm I'm very excited for Ryan's answer. Absolutely not. No, I'm not. I'm not okay with that. Um, you know, if he's still good at hockey, I guess, and the Islanders are still coming to be like a playoff team, but we just did this with Chara. It feels so inauthentic. You know, someone who it wasn't even alive when John Tavares was an Islander, which is mind blowing to say, but let's say it's like three or four years in the future. Um, he'd have to really right the wrong. He'd have to talk through the decision. I know, you know, some of the lamos in the media we have here aren't going to ask him the hard hitting questions, but he needs to be held accountable if he's going to come back. And uh, I don't think, you know, the person he is, is willing to give us the answers we want there. Or he'll probably say the things they want we want to hear but you know I, I think after all the history it's never going to happen obviously it's just a fun like thought debate but like man this guy if he if he thought like if it's like a one-year league minimum deal and he's still a five million dollar player i think about it i think that would be fine but i i think you know you could find someone younger and better than john Tavares at that point we just don't have to reopen the wound that's fair i agree with you ryan uh I think he kind of burnt that bridge and letting him come back and have his last dance or any dance here, you know, it's kind of shitty because the way he, you know, broke everything off. I did this in, not that anyone really is going to care, but I did this in my NHL GM franchise mode I've been doing on YouTube. I brought Tavares back for the last episode just for, uh, just for some fun. So I was kind of wondering how you guys would lean towards that. I'd probably say no now, but it depends the situation. I feel it's kind of it would be a little bit dirty for us to uh, basically crap on this guy for literally four years now and then be like, oh, welcome back, yeah, you know, like nah, fuck him, let him rot. It's year number five, isn't that crazy that we're going into year number five of this? Yeah, that is little. It's literally been half a decade. I know it's absolutely insane. I'm, I well, it's like we'll see where it goes. I don't really know. He has such a weird career arc. Um, they just them locking in on Matthews. If the Leafs don't win it all this year, someone's gonna have to go with those five guys uh, because Matthews gonna chip into the pay grade, or they're just gonna have to round a very lean ship, which I don't know if Brad Treliving's really gonna want to do. It's interesting. We'll see where the team uh, up north goes, but I think. I don't think as captain of the Leafs, he's going to want to come back here to finish his career. I think he's going to want to be in Toronto until it's over. Maybe he'll be able to right his wrongs with the San Jose Sharks for not accepting their $14 million offer or whatever that crazy amount was. Maybe it was like 12 and a half or 13 at the time, but either way. Yeah, it's going to be interesting with the Leafs if they don't win this year. I know I saw some idiots say, oh, we can maybe get uh, Nylander in a package for Lafreniere. <laughs> Funny. Funny, funny, funny. I really hope Nylander moves so I could like him a lot more. He's going for, uh, or Lafreniere is going to go for like a second round pick in Dvorak to Montreal. Watch that. Um, that's my guess on it. But then like, you know, Nylander, I have Islanders fans coming into being like, oh, let's trade the first this year. Let's trade Doofs. And I was like, you, yes, obviously you do that, but it's, it's not enough. If And also he's going to want to come over the top, get the biggest contract. If we hadn't paid Sorokin, I'd think about it, but I'm, I'm just not really in the mood to entertain a Nylander conversation. I just want to see what this roster looks like, which kind of brings us into our next segment. Uh, AJ, if you want to explain the rules here. So we are going to do an Islanders hot seat segment, I guess you could call it. 
we're going to be taking every guy. It's not going to be a tier maker, but it's basically going to be a tier maker, if that makes sense. We have three tiers. Hot seat, warm seat, and cold seat. Hot seat is if this player is on the hot seat right now. Should this guy possibly be worried about X, Y, or Z? Warm seat, maybe a little bit concerned, and cold seat, not concerned at all. So I feel like for the majority of the players, they're going to be in warm to hot. There's not too many guys on this team that is going to be in the cold seat, maybe one or two, but there's going to be different reasons for each guy, and we're going to debate and talk about that. So it's not going to be all for the same reason, like, oh, let's say Hudson Fashing. He's going to be on, let's say, the warm seat, for example, because... If he has a bad year, maybe he's not an NHLer anymore. Whereas Barzal might be in the warm seat because no matter what, Barzal is going to be an NHLer, but he needs to put up more points. If that makes sense, so everyone will have their own reason. Some reason, some reasons might, you know, be the same, but for the most part, everyone's going to have their own route, their own lane. We're going to go with. I think I explained that well enough. So three tiers for each guy on the roster, and we're going to explain why we think they're in this tier. Tier maker, but not a tier maker. My column. Exactly, and we're going to put a little Twitter, like, Excel type thing up after the episode if you can't follow along. Uh, but starting off, you know, we can do this kind of court style as well, hot seat court. So if one person says something you would disagree, just jump in. Uh, first off is Sebastian Ajo, and AJ, we're going to start with you. Uh, what seat do you have Sebastian Ajo on? Ajo's a weird one, man. Uh, you see the analytic darlings once again loving Sebastian Ajo on the daily. But does that mean anything, really? It, it does, because I know teams are getting more analytical, so don't get me wrong. I would put him on the warm seat only because of his analytics. He should be on the hot seat. Due to the fact that he hasn't really done that much in the NHL yet, with all due respect, of course. But I would put him on the warm seat because I think no matter what, he has another... He's going to have, an, if he doesn't succeed this year and doesn't, like, have a breakout year, he's going to have a job somewhere else. He's going to be in the league for another two years at the minimum just because of his incredible analytics and how, you know, he's a $7 million player per uh, Dom, you know, Dom, who's having a great day thinking about Austin Matthews being a Maple Leaf for the next five years. Screw that guy. I would put him in the warm seat. I definitely think hot seat should be the proper answer. But I think this guy, for the Islanders, maybe the hot seat. Because, you know, we need a puck-moving defenseman. And his job will be replaced if he's not that guy. But in general, I might have him more in the warm seat. Because I think no matter what, what his body of work analytically will give him another another chance or two. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you know, Sebi, I'm not too concerned about this year. I think he's going to play to his contract. But... He does need a new deal after this year, so hopefully contract your Ajo shows out. Uh, I'm going to go with warm seat. Any disagreement there, Jake, just in the interest of moving along? No, I have him in a warm seat because, you know, he you know he obviously needs to build on what he had. But, you know, if he struggles a little bit, I don't think they're going to take him out. But if he struggles heavily, you know, Samuel Bolduc, I think, is going to be breathing down his neck. But I'm not going to put him in a hot seat. I'm not going to put him in a cold seat um, because there is a little pressure for him to perform perform so i'm gonna put him in warm sounds good next up on my list of names is matthew barzal uh jake you go first here where, where do you have barzal i have him in hot seat um you know i i believe the contract kicks in this year or was it last year nonetheless 
Um, you know, he's going to be playing a full year with Bo Horvat and a different winger, whoever that may be. But we'll get into the candidates later, I guess. But um, he's, he's going to be dependent on him to perform. Um, coming off an injury, he had a decent playoff run in that first round. He's going to be playing with Bo Horvat. Um, they got him to produce with Matt Barzell. Again, to Bo Horvat and the pressure he's going to face. But, you know, I think Barzell has to be close to point per game this year, especially he came out in the offseason and said, we have to start hot early. You know, that depends on how Barzell starts. So I, I, I think you got to put him in hot seat. AJ, I'm going to make you play judge here on this one because I have Matt Barzal on the cold seat. I think Barzal is under little to no pressure this year to perform. He doesn't have to worry about contracts or anything. He can be a leader within this team. He's going to be here for the long haul. So their success really affects him the rest of his career. Uh, I have him on the cold seat. He's never had a teammate as good or a line mate as good as Bo Horvat since his uh, freshman year with John Tavares. I have his seat as cold. AJ, you break the camels back here. What, what seat do you have him on? See, so you do say you have a good point saying he hasn't had a good uh, teammate as good as Bo Horvat, but shouldn't that give him more pressure then if he can't produce with Bo Horvat? I have him in the warm seat. Uh, warm, warm seat. I have him in the warm seat, so the second tier. There's pressure on him because he's looked at as a franchise piece, which he is. Every year he's played here, he's been incredible. I don't care about the point totals. Look at the game uh, points per game. It's been really good. It's always been around 0.8 points per game. But he hasn't been able to take that next step to become, you know, maybe he's not as good as McKinnon. He's not obviously as good as McDavid. But he really has that potential to be a tier under them and be one of the best players in the league. And he hasn't really lived up to that. We see, I know, you really can't argue him against Jack Hughes because Jack Hughes was a number one overall pick. Barzal's draft year was a little bit weird because of his injury. So, sure. But we were hoping to see kind of a... Maybe not an arc like Jack Hughes, because Jack Hughes did struggle his rookie year, and Barzal was, you know, he won the Calder his rookie year. But we were expecting to see him play more like Jack Hughes than Jack Hughes has, and we haven't seen it yet. He's been incredible. He's been a leader on this team. He's literally carried us in the Boston series. He carried us in that series. I love the guy to death. I do think he has some pressure to hopefully hit over a point per game for the first time since his rookie year. I don't think if he doesn't do that, he's a bad player and he, you know, his contract's terrible. No matter what, Barzal's always going to be looked at as one of the best players in hockey unless he's really underperforming, which we haven't seen that to a real extent that I could think of at this point. You know he's always going to do stuff and he's going to have his moments and flash. We haven't seen him shine as much as he was his first few years, unfortunately. You know, when, when every time he'd pick up the puck... You're like, oh my god, Barzal's going to do something. We don't have that same feeling, but we also know that every time that Barzal has a puck, he still is a really good hockey player. We do, I do kind of miss that, like, excitement of, like, you know, um, Harlem Glo- Globe, excuse me, Harlem Globetrotter-esque hockey with Barzal, where you're waiting for someone's ankles to break or him to dunk on someone. I miss that from him. I don't know if we'll ever see that again, unfortunately, but we'll see. I would put him in the warm seat for the reasons of needing to produce with Bo Horvat and being, you know, maybe a point-per-game player for the first time since the rookie year. Yep, that's that good discourse. I think we each had a valid argument, and I can see anyone seeing it either of the three ways there. But um, in the interest of time, uh, I'll save the rebuttals and we'll let the listeners at home decide what they think on Barzal's seat. Uh, Samuel Bolduc, 
Bolducci himself, uh, I'll go on first on this one. And if you guys agree, just say you agree. We don't have to like take up too much time here on Bolduke, I don't think. But I have him in the warm seat. He's contending with Aho for that job. Um, I think he's pretty safe having just signed a two-year contract. I don't think he's going to get traded or cut. But I think you know his spot on the team is pretty much secured. I don't think there's anyone who's going to really challenge him in camp for that left-hand defense spot. But I'm um, excited to see Bolduke year two. And hopefully he grew over the summer in this game. Um, AJG, where do you guys have Bolduke? I have him in the cold seat. Um, maybe a bit of a bad take, but he has literally no pressure on him right now, so he can kind of just practice, play hockey, and whatever happens, happens. Obviously, I know he wants to be in the lineup every night. I know he wants to be as good as he can, so he there is internal pressure, but from the fan base, no one's like, we're not scoping out Sam Bolduke to see how he's playing during training camp you want to see the guy succeed don't get me wrong but right now he's our seventh defenseman who has promising potential to maybe be a top four guy maybe so right now the pressure isn't too high on him you just want to see him do the right things maybe get some games this year and just grow get bigger get stronger get faster all you know the cliche stuff i don't think the pressure is too high on him right now compared to everyone else on the team so for that reason i'm gonna put him in the cold seat yeah, I'd have to agree with that. Uh, I don't think there's any pressure on Bolduc. He um, looked good last year, got rewarded with the contract, and it's a two-year deal, so he's not going to... You know, if he has to play in Bridgeport for a little bit, um, that's fine, and I think he's okay with that. He's just going to continue to grow, so I'm going to put him in the cold seat. Sounds good. Um, next up, Casey Zizekas. Uh, we'll kind of snake this around. I have Casey, you know, seats cold as ice. I think he's going to be the fourth line center for a couple more years now. Um, he's going to have improved line mates if they make changes to the or the third line or, you know, the best fourth line in hockey. Um, I'm excited to see what Casey does this season. I think he has room to play a little bit better than last year, but I think his seat's pretty cold for the Islanders. He's always going to be a cold hero here or a fan favorite at least. Um, a Jay, where do you have Casey here? I agree. He has to be in the cold seat. His job's not up for grabs. He's probably the best fourth liner, uh, fourth line center in hockey, if not top three, top five. We all know what we're getting out of Casey Sezikis, and even when he played with Barzal last year, he was putting up points. He looked good, so maybe put him with better line mates, like maybe a Julian Gauthier, maybe Hudson Fashing full-time. Maybe he puts up 25, 30, 35 points this year. He's still a really damn good hockey player, so I think there's really no way his job gets replaced unless something really tragic happens, but I'd have him in literally probably one of the coldest seats on the New York Islanders, probably two or three. Yeah, he's cold for me as well. I mean, I hope he gets better line mates. Uh, we'll get to the potential line mates um, as we go forward, but, you know... He's the fourth-line center. He's going to be the fourth-line center in the next few years. So nothing's going to change that for me, and he's just going to do his thing. So cold seat for me. Agreed. I have him in the cold seat. Next up, Cal Clutterbuck. Jake, you start on clutter, kind of the, the thing you were referencing right before. Yeah, it's weird. I Like, I put him in cold. Like, I get there is pressure to perform, but he's either going to be on the fourth line or he's not. Like, it's, you know, he's not going to – Cal Clutterbuck is not going to play massively different. Um, I believe he's going to be on the fourth line. It sucks because that's not what I want, but um, I don't think there's really any pressure um, for him to come out. I think he's either going to be waived or he's going to be on the fourth line. But 
it's weird. It's a weird scenario because you can make the debate that like, could be in hot or warm, but I, I put them in cold because I don't know. It doesn't seem like too much pressure. I just think it's a decision they had to make internally. Ryan. Yeah. Oh, I could. Yeah, I could go next. Um. But yeah, no, uh, Jake. I think that's fair. I'm on the cold seat as well. Um. You know, his call. If he's going to be good enough to be on NHL roster, he's going to be there. If not, we're going to send him to Bridgeport or LTIR him, and he'll be gone. It's it's really all up to Cal. Maybe that means he's on the hot seat. But you know, I think. Um, I, I don't know. It's it's really hard to get worked up over Cal Clutterbuck. He's either going to be healthy or not. Um, and we'll see where it goes. Uh, AJ, where do you have clutter? I agree exactly 100% what you just said. He's on the cold seat, but if you want to look at it in his job, you know, his job status in the NHL, probably on the warm seat because who knows if he's really going to be back again. A lot of injuries, a lot of wear and tear on the body. Great career if he never plays another game, but for the Islanders, he's on the cold seat. Because if he's able to play, he's going to be here no matter what any of us want to see happen. You know he's going to be out there. So, we'll see. I have him in the cold seat. But if you want to make the argument that he's in hot or warm because his job's on the line and his career might be on the line, I'll, I'm will i here to listen to that. Just not right now. Yeah, it's not like if we have a great – Cal has a great camp. I mean, we're not going to get super excited because it's still Cal in 2023. Um, next up, AJ, I'll let you cook here, but Noah Dobson. What seat is Noah Dobson on? I'm, maybe I'll be the only one to say this. I think he's on the uh, warm seat. I wouldn't put him on the hot seat. I know everyone's freaking out about Noah Dobson. Oh, you know, bad defensively. You heard what Lou Lamarillo said about him in his press conference. He's backed this guy up. And obviously, he's going to back his player up in the media. Don't get me wrong. But there's been other places, apparently, where Lou Lemerel has told people about Noah Dobson backing him, saying that he's the guy for the future. He's our franchise defenseman. He's our number one, future number one, at least. I don't think he's going to be in as hot of a seat as some people expect him to be right now. I think the whole Dobson needs to hit the gym thing is kind of starting to get overplayed. It's the summer. I bet he's working out, even if he's not posting about it. I think Dobson gets a too overhated by our fan base. I really want to see him come out and look great in camp right away, look better defensively, look, you know, put some more muscle on him, be a little bit quicker. We all want to see him, you know, hit his potential. Don't get me wrong. I just don't think his seat with the New York Islanders is, is as hot as anyone thinks it might be because it's really not because they look at him as the future number one defenseman. But, I don't know, maybe you guys disagree with me on that one. I just don't feel like Dobson, Dobson's job is on the line. I know some people had like some really bad tweets about him throughout the entire year. And he wasn't great, don't get me wrong. Second half of the year, Dobson kind of stunk. But, I don't think he, his hot seat is really that hot. He's on the hot seat for me, and I, I really can't be convinced otherwise. I get Wu back him, and I'm glad he did. Um, it was a rough season, man. Um, I, I know he put up points, but defensively it was rough, and I, I hope he improves in that end. Whether he hits the gym or not, it's neither my business, but he's got to play better defensively. He's got to be more consistent um, offensively, whether it's a power player or not. Started off really well, and I'm really happy for that, but you know, at some stretches it was rough, and it hurt watching him. I think he's going to have a better year, but there there is a lot of pressure on him because 
you know, we all want him to be that guy, and I think the organization believes he can be that guy, and they're, they're allowing him to do that, but he has to prove it. I think he does have a better year, but th- there is a lot of pressure on him. Um, it's not the end of the world if he doesn't step up. Um, like, if he has around the same year, like, they're not going to trade him or anything. Um, I could be wrong on that, but I, I don't see them trading him, but I do think there's a lot of pressure on him to be better, and I, I hope he pulls through. You say that, sorry, Ryan, I know you're going to speak. You say that, but, like, look how many points he did to put up with a really terrible power play. Yes, he was a part of that bad power play, and if he was maybe better, he could have made the power play better, but the power play has been crap for the last four out of the last five years. They had one good year with having a decent power play, so I don't really want to hear that. Um, yes, he should be a player making the power play better. I do agree with that, but if we had a better power better power play, he'd put up more points, and the point total looked a lot better. He's an offensive defenseman. Those still exist in hockey. Ian, I, Ian, our friend Ian, friend of the podcast, Ian, makes that point every time that, yes, his defense is lacking, but the offensive defenseman is still a very popular thing in the sport of hockey. If he could reach that level and put up 60, 70 points, who cares if he sucks defensively? If he's putting up almost a point per game, I'm fine with it. Having a better power play would probably add 10 points as the number one D-man, you know, top D-man on a power play, that could add at least 6 to 10 points in goals and assists. Am I wrong there? So if you add... Yeah, but it's, it's not like he wasn't the starting quarterback on the power play, and I'll get into my take here. Um, I'd say he's on the hot seat because he was, the, he was, you know, the quarterback runs the offense. He was the quarterback of the power play, and he was very good at it to start the season, but it became Jekyll and Hyde at the end uh, where he wasn't making up for his deficiencies. You know, this is the year where it's going to determine if he's going to be like a Tyson Berry, Shane Gosses bear, or if he's going to go and be hit his potential and be Alex Petrangelo. Um, you know, be a top-tier defenseman in this league. Um, I'm not in the camp that we should trade him or get him out of here. I wouldn't say his seat's that hot. But, you know, I definitely think Noah's on the hot seat this year because the fan base, like, from everyone I talk to in the fan base, there, there's really no defending this guy if he has a bad or bad year, you know. We, we all know what the issues with this game are, and hopefully he knows. And it's all, like, defensive things that come down to detail. Lack of, you know, lack of, you know, I guess I don't want to judge an NHL player's NHL game, but they seem like attention to detail type mistakes. And I feel like he's, you know, if, if he was just neutral on the defensive end and he was still putting up 50 or 60 points, it would be fine. But if he's going to be outright bad defensively, he has to take that step forward. He has to make a call because if we just repeat what happened last year, that's no good. That's no progress. Uh, he has to grow in his game in some capacity. Yeah, that's 100% fair. But if he puts up 65 points and doesn't get better defensively, are you guys mad? If we make the playoffs, um, like what's the team result is if we're losing and Noah puts up 70 points and, you know, his defensive game is the reason we're losing a lot of the games. Then, yeah, maybe pretty mad if if his defense is fine and he's putting up 50, 60 points, then it's fine. But last year's defense was outright bad. He was by most of the analytics, one of the worst defensive defense or one of the worst in his own zone in the NHL. And you could tell by watching too. He just, you know, it was just zero effort plays and stuff like that. Um, put him with Pelic. I mean, if you need to cover him up and he can be bad defensively, put him with Pelic and figure that out. But uh, they haven't done that yet for some one reason or another. Um, That's fair. I don't, know. I don't know. If they go with him and Ajo again, there's not enough defense on that pair where Noah's mistakes are going to look really bad. If they go with him and Romanov again, I 
don't know what to really expect there. But he does have traits of a superstar defenseman. He just has to pick a path. Is he going to be, you know, um, a very high-end offensive defenseman who plays pretty good defense, or is he going to be an elite offensive defenseman? Anything in between, I think, is probably a failure this season. Okay. I mean, that's definitely an interesting way to look at it. I don't disagree in that sense at all, because you need him to pick his path, and him to figure out what how good he's going to be so we could figure out how we could adjust. It's kind of like, you know, Trent Alexander-Arnold on Liverpool. It's kind of funny, but now that he's not an issue for Liverpool, it's not as bad, but they were both kind of in that weird um, middle middle area of what they were going to be for their teams going forward. So we still need Dobson to really f- find his game and figure out how he's going to, you know, stay in the league for 10, 12-plus years. Not that he's not going to be in the league, but... Will he be a superstar offensive defenseman? Will he not? Will he just be like a 40-point guy and suck defensively? I don't know. He needs to figure that out, and we need to help him grow as much as we can. So I don't think anyone's wrong here. I think we've all made good points. I would obviously two two out of three said hot seat, so he will be in the hot seat. But I think it was a pretty good debate talking point. I think he was probably one of the big guys for sure. Yeah, I agree. Um, now, I guess, you know, in the interest of time, um, you know, good points on that, AJ. I, I think that's a fair debate to make. But I, I think, you know, if, I don't like to do Dobson discourse. We're going to do it all season. Uh, but for guys on the training camp kind of like pushing for the roster right now, um, I think just in the interest of time, unless you think they're really interesting, um, you could say something, but just in the interest of time to move it along. Um, the AHL guys will do quick, and then the NHL guys, obviously, they'll probably be on the hotter seats. But uh, next up is William Dufour. I have William Dufour's seat as cold. Either he makes the team or he doesn't. Like, I think if he makes the team, it's great. If not, he's going to go season a little bit more in the AHL, so I'm not uh, I'm not too worried about Dufour's here. Um, Jake, you're next up on Dufour. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you um, whole way. I- think it's cold and um wherever they put him i think he'll have a better year regardless so i don't think there's any pressure for him so i'm gonna put him in cold yeah i agree cold seat i think if you want to argue warm and say oh he needs to try to produce like one of the better top prospects in the world i guess he was a late pick who's really good right now so just enjoy it cold yeah um you know honestly and even I know I just said in the interest of time, uh, there was a prospect list this week just while we're on due for here. Um, you know, one of those annoying summer lists by a middle school TikTok kid, whatever, uh, that said that he was our top prospect right now. And the athletic put out that uh, Danny Nelson was. I still lean towards due for being our top prospect, but it said that I think he was the. 14th best top prospect in the East, which is a qualifier on a qualifier on a qualifier. Um, You know, I I think he's up there. I think, you know, in the Eastern Conference, he's probably a top, like, 10 or 12 prospect. I think he's very interesting for a shot, and I think he's going to be exciting, and I'm very happy to have him in our farm system. Uh, I've watched a little bit more of his clips over the past week. Anything anything to say on that, AJ, Jake? Um, I, I, uh, I know we all three saw the list that I'm kind of referencing here. Yeah, I mean, they had, like, Fabian Lysel over him. It's just, you got to see how these guys develop, really. You'd assume that the top draft pick, like the first rounders, are going to develop better than do for Will. Who knows? We'll see. I don't. I didn't really find anything too outrageous. I think he was maybe a better than two or three of the names on there, but I don't really care. There was another point I was going to make about Dufour, but I, I forgot when you t- mentioned the list. 
So. No, no worries. Um, yeah, to bring it back around, I mean, it's just kind of like, you know, I think he's very pro-ready, and I think a lot of, you know, a lot of guys in the farm system are question marks. I think Dufour is the one I feel the most oh. confident oh. right now. Uh, just to hit a quick point, I don't think Dufour is the best prospect. I think Bo Duke is. He's going to, like I said, he's probably the safer bet to hit 250-plus games. So I have Bo Duke as our number one prospect. But we kind of went over that last episode. Yep, Jake, any thoughts on that list? Yeah, I think he's our best prospect. Um, it's close. We obviously talked about it last episode if you missed that, but I think he's he should have been higher on that list. I mean, he's I I think he's better than some of the guys ahead of him. Um we don't have to you know debate about it too much. Yeah, sounds good. Um, agreed there. Uh, next up this one's really quick. Uh, Arno Durando. Um, Jake, you could go first on Duran Duran. Yeah, I we talked about this last episode. He's just gonna do what he does best. He's gonna play his game. So I think he's pretty cold. Um, regardless of where he plays, you know, we know what we're getting out of him, and I don't think that much is gonna change. Maybe some points and at the NHL level if he's there, but I I have him in cold. I have him in warm. He's not. I don't think it'd be fair to put him in hot, but he's not an NHLer yet. So like, he has to earn his stripe still. So I'm going to put him in warm. He still has to become an NHLer. I have him warm as well, just because this is kind of his last shot here. Um, he's getting up there. He's, he's older than me, which, you know, that's normal when guys are either AHL lifers or you figure out what they're going to be. But um, so I see what Duran Duran does. I watched a couple of game highlights, and I remember him fondly from last season. Uh, next up, big Pierre Engvall. Uh, love this guy. It's my buddy. I started uh, taking NHL contracts and equating them to Engvalls because this deal is such a steal. Uh, I'm gonna, you know, I feel like he's truly on the cold seat, but I'm gonna put him in warm here um, because there is expectations that increase with his new deal. Um, if this goes badly year one, you know, it turns into a Mason Marchman situation uh, where it goes badly year one, then there's gonna be some buyer's remorse that we're gonna have for a long time. But I trust Pierre. I really love the player, and I feel good about this. Adele and the baton to you here. I'm just going to be the guy to say cold seat. I know Jake probably will as well, probably will also, but it's Pierre Engvall. Even if he doesn't really put up 50 points like you guys think, I don't know if he will put up 50. As long as he's playing good defense, maybe he becomes a penalty killer, still good four checker. The contract's really good. We didn't really give him that much money. So he's on a seven-year deal, cold seat. We know what we're going to get out of him, so I'm kind of fine with it. Yeah, he's he's cold for me. Um, Three million dollars. I mean, you can argue third line money, and if he's a great second liner, that's awesome. And if not, I mean, I think pretty confident in saying he's going to be a good third liner. So I don't think there's a lot of pressure on him. Love the contract. I think it's a steal. Um, We've talked about this a lot, so I'm putting him in cold as well. Yeah, I love Pierre Engvall. Um, that's all I can really think. And, uh, man, I love Hudson Fashion because Hudson Fashion's next. AJ, what seat do you have Fashion? You want to put him in cold, but you have to say he's his seat's a little bit warm. If he has a bad year, you know, you could start making the question marks of maybe putting in Julian Gauthier, maybe giving Carson Kuhlman a shot. I think Fashion will come, you know, come to play, still have that dog mentality in him, you know, playing for his life. Even though he has the contract now, I think he still has to bring that energy. I think he still will bring that energy, but there will be that, you know, maybe a little bit worry if he doesn't. 
So I'm going to put him in warm. I really don't think he's going to get to that point of not playing him. I think he hopefully will be an everyday NHLer for us. He's already a fan favorite, but he needs still needs to, you know, still needs to be good like he was last year. He was very fucking good last year, and he has to at least, you know, replicate that somewhat and be productive for us. So, warm. Yeah, I have him in cold. You know, the worst thing that happens is he doesn't he doesn't cut it this year. I have him in cold. I'm confident Hudson's going to stay on the roster because I believe in this kid a lot. Uh, Jake, where do you have Hudson? Cold. Milf. You know you know. We love Milf. Um, but, yeah, next up, Julian Godier. AJ, you could kick this one off. Uh, you have to put him in warm. I know we said he's a training camp guy. If he doesn't make it with the Islanders, that's a really bad uh, bag fumble by him. He has a chance to become a pretty solid everyday NHLer uh, if he wins out his battles, obviously depending on what the team's going to look to do with Matt Martin and Cal Clutterbuck, but he has a speed. He never has brought his finishing talent to the NHL game, but he obviously had it at one point, so or else he wouldn't have been you know, an NHL player for this long. He's on the hot seat. He needs to really not, I guess, yeah, I guess revive his career. And he could do that here. He could have a really good season. But it just depends how his camp goes, who he clicks with, who he's playing with. And I'm really excited to see because I think that Gauthier could be an answer for us if all goes well. Maybe kind of like a Disney storybook answer. Coming from the bad, bad Rangers and becoming an Islanders legend. Obviously, I'm just kidding here with the Islanders legend part, but maybe becomes the next Hudson Fashing, maybe a little bit more offensive Hudson Fashing. I'm sorry, Ryan. I'm I'm gonna put him in cold. Uh, that might be a bad take by me, um, but you know it's kind of like a prove it deal. Um, you know we just we'll see what he's got. Um, just go out and prove it if you get the time. See what you got. Got to improve the shooting. The shooting is absolutely dreadful from what we've seen. Uh, but the speed is real. The speed is there. So just use that. Hopefully use it to your advantage. Um, so that might be a bad take by me, but uh, I put him in my cold seat. You know, just just see see what we got in June and go to you. Yeah, I'm going to be closer to AJ here. Um, I, I understand your point there on why his seat will be cold. But for the player, this is really his last chance. Um, he struck out in New York. He struck out in Ottawa. Didn't really get time to develop in Carolina. Maybe we can make this kid into something. I'm excited to see where it goes with Godier. Um, and, yeah, overall, you know, we'll see where it goes. I, I have some friends who are Rangers fans that were really low on him and friends who are really high on him. I mean, you don't really know what you're going to expect with this guy. And if he could pull a Hudson fashion and put it all together here, now I have hope in our dev. We'll see where it goes. But I'm excited to see what happens with Goat. Um, I'm excited to watch all the preseason games for this guy because I think he's the most intriguing piece we signed this summer. Uh, next up, Simon Holmstrom. So for Holmey, I'm going to say his seat's warm. You know, if he doesn't make the roster out of camp, I'm going to start worrying about him. He's one of my favorite players on the team, I'd say. And, uh, you know, if he's not going to get Lane Lambert's trust in training camp, then I don't know if he's ever going to get it. I know Rosner put out an article this week talking about maybe it wouldn't be the best thing to bring him, but I, I don't see a reason not to let Simon grow. But because from an Islander's perspective, I'm going to say his seat's a little bit warm here. I agree that his seat's warm, but I kind of see what Rosner was saying. Maybe putting him on the first line in the AHL, letting him get power play minutes, letting him develop properly there alongside Maggio and Dufour wouldn't be the worst thing for him. 
I agree his seat's warm because he is not an everyday NHLer yet, but I don't think if he goes to the AHL right away, he should be looked at as a concern or a question mark. Maybe a guy like Julian Gauthier has a better camp than him and gets and allows Simon Holmstrom to get the time he could use to develop into a better offensive forward down the AHL. I would rather just see him on the third line. Personally, I really like his game. I really like the player, but we'll see what happens. I don't think there's a real concern either way unless he looks really bad in camp. I'm going to agree with you guys. I said warm. Um, I do think he'll also be given a spot in camp because I think he's earned that, but he did have nine points in 50 games. I think that does need to improve if he's going to be a consistent third liner. I do know like he brings the really good defense, but you know, I think there should be some pressure on him to put more points up at the NHL level. When he scores, they, they are banger goals, and I do want more of that. Uh, I think we'll get more time. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how training camp shapes out because there's a lot of guys competing for these spots. Um, but I do think there should be a little bit of pressure on them. So I put them in a warm seat. Agreed there. Um, yeah, and honestly, and I think Simon's bad games all came when he was on the first line. And this year, they he should not be on the first line. So if you want to season him down the HL, I see the argument for that. Um, next up, the big guy, the, the $8.5 million man, um, Bo Horvat who, uh, you know, was named in a lawsuit this week. Um, that was the Big Islanders news and a piece of Islander lore. No need to get into that here. I'm saying Bo's seat's warm. I don't really think, like, he's a hot seat guy because, you know, we have our expectations for him. He has to come through. But I'd say Bo's, seat, Bo's seat's warm. I'm excited to see what he does here. And he's going to be in a really good position with Barzal. He just has to keep his cool and uh, put it together with Barzi. I'm excited to see how they do. Uh, Jake, you could take it first here, pal. Well, I'm saying it's hot. Uh, the contract is kicking this year of 8.5, so he's got to put an 8.5 million player. And now he's losing some money because of this lawsuit. Uh, obviously not a big deal, but um, he does need to produce. Uh, we didn't bring him here to win face-offs. We're not paying him eight and a half to win face-offs. He's got to produce some points. I, I ultimately believe he, he will, obviously. You know, he's going to play great with Barzell. I'm very excited, but um, I do think do think there is pressure because of the contract uh, year one. So um, put him in hot. I agree with Jake. I have him in hot as well. Like you said, you know, I don't want to hear the uh, his well, his underlying numbers are good. His face-offs, he's winning face-offs. We're paying him $8.5 million. He needs to produce. End of story. I think he produces, obviously. I think he'll put up 65, 70 points, hopefully. But we'll see. I, I trust Bo. I love Bo. He's our friend. But he still needs to produce because he's probably not for, I'd say, probably 60% of the fan base. He's probably not, like, in the most comfortable spot for most people right now. Considering his struggles so far with the Islanders after trading him and giving him this really big extension, he was good, but maybe not what we expected. We expected more out of him at times. He didn't, he wasn't great. He was very good. He wasn't, you know, top tier, uh, cream of the crop, cream de la crop or whatever the saying is. And we want to see that from him because we know how good he was in Vancouver. But he gets his uh, training camp to get more comfortable, he has more time to have his family come over, Has have all his things ship in, so he's more comfortable now, he's more settled in now, so I expect a better Bo Horvat, but until we see this better Bo Horvat and the real Bo Horvat, I would put him in the hot seat. 
Yeah, I, I think a lot of our fan base likes to pretend that those goals in Vancouver didn't count. Um, they, they definitely counted. They were in NHL games. Um, and um, I think Bo Horvath's going to be point per game this year. I'm very excited to see Bo, and I have very high expectations for him. Um, but I think, you know, he's going to be on the team for a long time. He has a long time to figure it out. And if him and Barzi come out firing, then his seat's right back to the warm seat. Um, they played magically together. Let's just see them healthy for a while together. Um, not against, you know, the best defense in the NHL with Barzal at 70%. Uh, next up, Russell Nishikov. I'm going with Warm here. Um, you know, nothing crazy on Ishii. If he's good, he's good. If he's bad, he's bad. Uh, he's kind of hitting that age of maturity for prospects where you start seeing them as more of an AHL guy, but I, I'd say his seat's pretty warm. Um, Jake, you go next on Nishikov here. Yeah, I don't know. If I'm just messing up here, but I'm, I'm putting them in the cold. I've been doing that with the prospects, I guess. But um, I do think there's an outside chance of making this team. You know, if if Wayne is going to want that speedy skill guy in the left wing, you know, he can on on the first line, perhaps. Um, you know, he can really prove it in training camp and preseason and take that job. And we saw Nikita Sashnikov win a win a spot last year. You know, crazier things have happened. But, I mean, if he goes to Bridgeford, it's not going to hurt the guy at all. I mean, he's going to continue to develop and try and make it uh, next year or even, you know, earn a call-up. He wasn't called up last year. So I think he'll transition to warm next year. We'll do this next summer, I'm sure. Then I'll put him in warm, but for now I'm putting him in cold. I will never forgive myself for allowing us to talk about Nikita Sashnikov for more than 10 minutes of airtime in total. He was on the puck doku today. Yeah, he was on the puck doku today. Um... I'm in the cold seat as well. He's kind of playing with the house's money right now. He's putting, so far, he's put himself in a really good spot. I mean, yeah, I said Durando's on the warm seat, but Ichikov's kind of playing with the house's money at this point. He's been very good in the AHL. He's really impressed NHLers who have played for a long time in Chris Terry. I know we always uh, reference that article, but the team knows how good he is. We're starting to learn how skilled he is. I don't really think he's facing that much pressure. So if he pans out this year, he does. If not, he's just going to kill him in the AHL, and then next year will be the year for him. Yep, no no real concern there or talk. Um, I'm skipping, or let's not skip Carson Kuhlman, but in the interest of time, um, you know, warm seat. Either he's going to Bridgeport, buddy, or he's not. Um, any Anything on Kuhlman, or we could just do this very quickly? He's going to have a job for a few more years no matter what, so I'm fine with warm. Yeah. And Jake has a warm. Next up, AJ, first dibs on this one. Anders Lee. We're up to Anders Lee. Uh, Lee's an interesting one. I would probably lean closer to warm than hot. You know what you're getting out of Lee. If he puts up 30, 35 goals, who really cares how he plays? As long as it's not, you know, going 20 games and only putting up four points. Just try to be a little bit less um streaky. That's all I'm asking for. He's our captain and we love him. But I'm just asking for him to be more consistent. But I think he'll be better this year. Obviously, a better power play helps out Andres Lee. I really am intrigued to see where they put him on the power play, if he's going to be net front for power play one or power play two. We'll see about that. I'd put him on the warm seat, obviously still having a very big contract, having expectations to have a better season than last year. Even though his stats weren't that bad last year, we all know he can hit that next level and maybe be a little bit more consistent on games that don't involve the Pittsburgh Penguins. But I think he'll be fine. 
Yeah, I got Lee on the warm seat. Um, you know, same same kind of reason as AJ. A little more consistency would be nice. He, you know, they're not even close to the playoffs if he didn't have a great first half of the season. So I'm still confident Lee's going to put up, you know, 25 to 30 goals. We know what he is. Um, if he could turn back the clock a little bit and have his Jamie Ben season, as AJ likes to reference, um, I, that would be cool too. But, you know, we know what Anders is. We know what he's going to do. And uh, that's our captain. Jake, where do you have Anders? Uh, to the surprise of no one, I have him in the hot seat. Um, I would like him to be more consistent this year. I don't think that's a bad take by any stretch. Um, you know, he needs to start the year on my good side because he is not on my good side for the end of the year. Not that it matters. But, yeah, I just want a more consistent Andrews Lee, try and stay out of the penalty box and just be our captain uh, that we know and love. Uh, well, some of us love. But um, he's going to be on the hot seat for me. Well, I mean, no matter what, he's going to be your captain, so I'm going to just take that point away from you. I could pull a Dustin Brown and strip him and give it to Bo Quiverus, Bowie Horvat. Um, I don't think he's going to get stripped, but I think Bo will be the... I, honestly, I don't even know how this is going to turn out with the two-captain situation. It's like, uh, you know, you have your you have your dad, and then you have your, uh, you have your stepfather. It, it's a weird situation with having two captains in the room. Um, I think those are the only two who have been on NHL rosters and been captains, but yeah, I think at the moment they are because Chara was a captain. And Parisi then, uh, never was. Oh, I guess Parisi's not an Islander either, so. No, yeah, yeah Parisi I was. I have him on my list today. Right, right, uh, right. Yeah, Parisi was. My bad. Parisi was. Uh, next up, Matty Martz. I'd say, you know, if clutter seats cold, Martz has to be cold too, but I think his is a little bit more performance develop- dependent from Clutterbuck seat. You know, either he's going to make the roster or he's not at the end of the day. Um, there's definitely a target on his back, which makes me think I should just change both of these to warm. But, like, you know, with Martz, I, I'm going to put Martz in warm because his is more de- or dependent on his performance, where uh, Clutter, you know, retroactively is also dependent on his health, but that's not really. I'm just going to change both of these to warm for me because, like, I, I don't feel good at that both are going to make the roster this year. Yeah, I'm fine with your explanation on that. I think he has more release than Cal Flutterbuck because he is kind of current-day Mr. Islander. You think of the New York Islanders. You look at the guys, he's been here forever. Uh, damn, dude, Josh Bailey's not an Islander anymore. That's wild. But, um, yeah, I'll, I guess put him in warm. If you put him in cold, I really wouldn't argue that either. I think he should be the 13th forward or 14th forward and just be around with the guys. Morale guy. Gets a game every now and then. Sack off Ross Johnston. But uh, I'm fine putting him in warm. So similar to quarterback, I have him in cold. Uh, if Matt Martin has more to give for us, he's going to do that. Uh, if not, he will might be waived, maybe just as a 13th forward, um, which I think is a good spot for him. So I'm going to put him in cold. And AJ, did you want Cal moved to warm too, or is he still cold in your books? Uh, you could put him in warm, but neither guy really kind of affects either one for me. Long term, the high end, they're gonna be fourth liners at worst, so it's low stakes. Uh, Scott Mayfield, cold ass seat man. Um, I haven't been cold. He's gonna be here for a long time. We know what we're getting with Scotty. I'm, I'm pretty, pretty. You know, I feel good about Scotty coming back. I think he doesn't have to hit another level if he just does what he does last year or did last year. It's gonna be fine. Um, Jake, what do you have on Scotty here? Your friend. Yeah, I have him in cold as well. I do wish they would put him with Ajo because those guys are really good together. Um, so uh, that's that's my hope, I guess. But uh, stay out of the box. Um, yeah, cold. 
Uh, I have them at probably the top tier of cold, as in, like, closest to warm. That contract, he has a lot of expectations on him now. He has a contract for seven years, obviously, or eight years, whatever it is. Don't get me wrong, but he still needs to prove himself that he was worth that deal, which I think he was, but some people were very unhappy about that deal and the term, so we'll see what happens. Uh, I would have him in cold seat, but if you want to say warm seat because he needs to play and live up to that contract. You know what? No, we're going to put him in warm. He needs to live up to that contract. I love Scotty, but that's a lot of money and a lot of term that he needs to live up to, so he has some pressure this year. No, I, I really think it was such a bargain. of Not even that was a crazy big bargain, but it was just like, you know, could have got so much more elsewhere. I, I guess I agree. Pass, but I, it's just about keeping performance. He doesn't have to hit another level in my opinion. Yeah, that's fine. Just be, I mean, he. it would be nice if he would take less penalties and maybe be a little bit more consistent defensively. He's had his, his mishaps from time to time. He could be one of the better, uh, you know, probably – one of the top five bottom pair defensemen in the league. I don't think that's too crazy of a take because, you know, how many guys are going to be really getting the minutes he's going to get and have an, the effect that he could have on a game? He's awesome. I love Scott Mayfield. But you're saying that also I agree with the contract talk because look at Ryan Graves got for Pittsburgh. They, didn't they give him four and a half? Or, yep, a lot of money for five years. It's And I think Mayfield's better than Ryan Graves. I know everyone's like, oh, he's got cool hair. Mayfield's just a better player. Yeah, AJ called him a head hair merchant. Um, next, AJ, I'll kick it over to you, Star Brock Nelson. Uh, probably the second coldest guy here. What What are we gonna What are we gonna complain about? Brock Nelson being too good at hockey. Brock the stable. Come on, cold. Yep, same same boat there. I'm gonna put him in cold. He's ice cold in my book. Jake, yeah, he's yeah. he's pretty yeah he's cold for me. I mean. There's zero pressure whatsoever. Uh, he'll do his job, and he will be happy. Fans. He's not taking a step back, no matter what. He is the silver fox. He gets better with age. Uh, Jakey Pajo, Jake, you go first on him. So I'm in him warm. I'm happy that he is, I guess, back right now. Um, he did have a down year, and I do think there's a little pressure for him to do better. Um, but I think in this offseason, we kind of like now, like, um, what is the word I'm looking for? I'm not going to get this. We kind of cherish how special he is as a third-line player and what he does in an Islander uniform. I hope he stays healthy for a full 82 because obviously he was hurt for a little bit last year, but more points would be nice. So I'm putting him in warm. It's not totally hot, but it, it's not cold, so I put him in warm. Jake's looking for the word appreciate or appreciation. Um, I would put him at the bottom tier of warm, closer to cold. I feel like Jake's spot on with the appreciation point. People are kind of now realizing how lucky we are to have JG Peggio, even with his with his injury and his lack of goal scoring because of you know his bum. I don't want to say bum arm, but his arm. You know, since that injury, his goal scoring hasn't been the same. So it's fair to put the two and two together. But Peggio's still a really good hockey player. Great, you know, great locker room guy. Great at his job. I put him maybe bottom tier warm or. Uh, top tier like top tier cold i'm really not too worried this guy's gonna be here for a while but i guess maybe you're hearing trade rumors so i guess warm's a fair fair output for him if you know he's a, a potentially on the block 
Yeah, I have him on the hot seat. Um, just going to be straightforward with it. Just If he doesn't have a good year, I'm, I'm going to be really annoyed because we this was probably the last opportunity we had to get out of this contract if he's bad. Um, if he's good, yeah, more power to him. Very excited to see what Pajot can do here. But, you know, we really need a good year out of J.G. Pajot for this whole thing to work. Um, he's going to be a center no matter what. We have an abundance of centers. He's kind of the odd man out. The fact that we didn't trade him this summer means we believe in him. And he has to reward us for that belief. Because if he doesn't, um, then just, you know, kills penalties. Like, he has to put the puck in the back of the net a little bit more than last year. Um, and run a third line where Parise was kind of running the show last year. So, it's interesting. I think, you know, he's the most, the biggest candidate to decline on the team. Um, and he really needs to keep it up this season and hit another level if he still has it in him. So Pedro's on the hot seat for me. Any pushback to that before we move on? Uh, his contract, uh, you could say that about him, but then you could also say that Anders Lee isn't living up to his $7 million contract by the points total. What did Pedro had? Pedro had a sneaky 40-point year. Lee had 48 points. I think Lee hit 50. So out. check that before I say anything. 50 even. Lee hit 50 okay. and 28 goals. I think that Lee's contract was like $6 million. Like they're both probably a million dollars off. Yeah. Of what they will be paid. But I think like Pajot with the hand, if it gets a lot worse, it's going to get a lot worse quicker. Where Lee's game, I think, is just brute strength, um, even with the injuries he's had. Okay, that's a fair point there. Um I still think even Pajot, if he's not scoring goals, is very valuable. So, that's fine. I do think his contract's not maybe the best, but I don't think it's as bad as people want to make it out. I think it's kind of a similar spot with Noah Dobson, where he might get a little bit overhated from the fan base, and still is, but you know, doesn't have the um, massive deficit that Dobson has had. I think with Pajot, it's just kind of been underwhelming for some fans, and that's fair to say, but. I still think what he does bring to the game is a little bit underappreciated. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I'm, I'm a, I was a big Pajot guy, and then last season happened, and I loved that third line um, with him and Palmieri. I mean, him, well, it was Palmieri at point. I loved that third line was him, Parise, Palmieri. And I, I probably am giving JGP a lot of shit here, but I felt like he was the weakest link on that line last season. Um, next up, uh, meet by, Meatball Kyle, as Through the Island podcast likes to call him Kyle Palmieri. Jake, I'll give it to you first here. Where do you have palms? Uh, I was kind of, you know, tethering between warm and cold, um, but I'm going to put him in the high tier of cold. I would appreciate um, if he would stay healthy for a full year because a healthy Kyle Palmieri um, is awesome for this team. I know rough year injury-wise, back-to-back injuries. I believe they were both concussions, uh, so that was rough. But I do think he's going to stay healthy this year. I think he's going to be a great asset for that second line, assuming he'll be back there next to Brock. Maybe Pierre. Um, we'll have to see about that. But, um there's a little pressure for him to stay healthy because that's what the fans want. But, I mean, performance-wise, not at all. So I'm going to put him in cold. Uh, he needs to stay healthy. I don't think like, – I agree. I love Palmieri. We all know how great he is and how much we've been pumping this guy's tires for years now. When people doubted him, people really doubted him. Even this year, people were doubting him. But I still think he needs to stay healthy, and it's not his fault. It's 100% not his fault. Two free concussions within a week. But we need him to 
be there for us because he's a really good player. So I would put him in the warm seat a little bit because his job's also probably on the line this year. With the Sorokin extension kicking in, the Islanders could look to maybe flip Palmieri next year in the summer or if we're not doing great this season at the deadline to give maybe a guy like Ishikov or 2-4 or Maggio a shot and get up get that $5 million or I guess it'd be 4.2 or whatever it would be when you're adding another forward in salary cap back and maybe use that to get a better defenseman or a better winger or something of that sense. So I do think you'd have to put him a little bit in the hot seat or the warm seat or maybe even the hot seat because if he doesn't have a great year, he's probably not coming back next year with the abundance, quote-unquote. You guys can't see it because it's a podcast, not a TV show, but I'm doing air quotes right now with my fingers. Our abundance of talented wingers in Ishikov, Dufour, Simon Holmstrom, and Matt Maggio. It's also the bill comes due on Sorokin next year, right? So Pons has to make himself invaluable or he's going to wind up in a trade. And if it goes bad, it winds up being similar to the Josh Bailey situation. I think there's still going to be demand for Pons around the league. But, uh, you know, I love this guy. I want to see him have a good year. But I'm going to say he's a little warm because he has to stay healthy and he has to keep that level. I know even when he was healthy two years ago, he was a bit inconsistent. But... I love Kyle. I think he's going to be fine. Uh, next up, Adam Pellick uh, here. I could turn it over to AJ to start on Pelly. Uh, Pellick is an interesting spot. Don't get me wrong. We all know how good Pellick is, but he did have a bit of a down year. I know the uh, analytic boys are like, oh, the Islanders, uh, Pellick and Pulak, the guys that they used to ride to the end of time, now are like, oh, they're kind of mid now. Like, So I guess you're going to put him in the warm seat. I do think Pellick has to prove himself again. We all know he's going to be an NHLer for here with the New York Islanders for the foreseeable future, and we love him. To we love him with all our hearts, but we do want to see him take that next step and become closer to an elite, I guess, defensive defenseman rather than a very good one. He had his he had his bad moments, he had his great moments, but I have really no worry in Pelic. I know a lot of people were complaining about him this year. I think he'll be fine. Getting year two in the Lambert system should be better, and if not, maybe Lambert's. Maybe Lambert might be the problem, but I don't know. I still want to see how everything comes together with Lane Lambert and his um, coaching style. Yeah, I'm going to throw Lambert in at the end as long as, as well as Lou Lamarillo uh, once we're done with the players. But for Pellick, I have him, same boat as AJ, in warm. I'd like to see him play with Noah Dobson this season. Um, I'd like to, you know, ideally you like to see PMP back together. That just depends on how everything else works. I think the Chark boys are massive losers, and they didn't understand that Pellick and Pulak didn't really play together this year. They only had like 10 games, and then once Lane needed them elsewhere, they kind of buoyed some worse defensemen in the lineup. Um, which we'll get into kind of the next two guys here. But, um, yeah, I thought Pelly was fine. He played with Scott most of the season, and they played well together. Just let him and Noah play together and let them cook. I'm very excited to see what happens there, um, and we'll see where it goes from there. Uh, Jake, anything on Pelly? Yeah, I'm going to put him in warm. He needs to you know stay healthy and have a better year. Um, so, yeah, he's in the warm seat for me. Sounds good. Uh, next up is Ryan Pulak. AJ, I'll let you take this one off the jump. Uh, Pulak, I think his playoffs honestly kind of saved him from having... I guess once he started playing with Romanov, everything did get a lot better too, to be fair. I know he had a little bit of a rough start. Him and Pelic wasn't incredible as it always was. I'm going to put him in the cold seat. I think once he got with Romanov, he did get you know back to more of his Ryan Pulak self. Maybe he wasn't as great as he's always been. I know the like like we said, the loser chart boys 
oh, he has a 30, like, what do they have, a, four, a 42 rating. I, I don't care about you or your ratings. Pulak's still a very good player, and I really liked his game towards the end of the year. And in the playoffs, he was probably one of our best players. So I would put him in the cold seat. Yeah, pretty cold. I mean, the losers and the haters from The Athletic uh, said that he was our worst player last year. I don't agree at all. His point total just went down because he shot less and he wasn't on the power play. Um, I'm, I'm confident Ryan Pulak. I'm always going to love Ryan Pulak. I'm going to say his seat's cold. He has the longest contract of anyone in our defense core. Um, and he did so well with Romana toward the end of the season that, you know, I can't really hate him at all. I, I think his seat's ice cold and I think he gets a lot of unnecessary hate from the fan base. But uh, next up, Jake. Jake, what do you have uh, Pulak at? Yeah, I haven't been cold the playoffs. Saved them, definitely. And playing with Ramon, I've helped them a lot. Playoff Ryan Pulak in the regular season could be generational. I hope that's what we see, and I hope uh, the deep pairs um, remain, you know, kind of what we want. We talked about this a few episodes ago, I believe. So uh, Ramon and Pulak needs to happen, in my opinion. Uh, but, you know, no pressure from me. I, I really liked what he brought this year. Yep, sounds good. Next up, my boy Alexander Romanov. Um, I'm going to put his seat on cold. I mean, this is probably biased a little bit. He needs to take a step this year, no matter what. Um, and maybe this is flirting harassment with Dobson, but I was just so blown away by this kid's game the first his first year here. I think just as a lockdown defenseman, it would be really cool if he hits a point where I'm comfortable enough to see him and Dobson together, or him and Ajo. But keep him and Pulak together. It's going to be a good pair. It really was last year. I'm very confident in them together. And we'll see if Rom's able to take another step this summer. So I'm excited to see what he does, and I have him in the cold seat right now. I would put him, I mean, I'd probably put him in between warm and cold. You need to take that next step, don't get me wrong. I'm very, very, very happy with the player. I love the trade every day of the week. Great player so far, but I do want to see him take that next step. So I think warm, very bottom tier of warm would be fair. I'm not too worried about him. I think he's going to ball out like he did before he got injured last year. Yeah, um, lower tier of warm because, you know, he's got to bring what he brought last year. Um, another year on his good contract. Um, yeah, like we just mentioned kind of a minute ago, playing with Pulak, I think it's going to be really, really good. And one of my favorite players and uh, more hits, more uh, Rom Dog moments, of course. But uh, yeah, I'm going to put him in the lower tier of warm. Love the Rom Dog boomstick, Jake, spot on there. Uh, next up, Ross Johnson. Uh, it's hard to feel too many kind of ways. I'm going to say hot because if he stinks in training camp, he should never see an NHL roster again. Um, <laughs> an Islanders roster. If any other NHL team wants Ross, I'm fine. Uh, I agree with you. I'll put him in the hot seat and get ready to learn ECHLEs, buddy. Ross Johnson isn't worthy of my ratings, so I'm not giving them one. <laughs> Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, next up, the coldest seat on the team for me, Ilya Sorokin. I feel 100% confident he's going to have another banger of a season, and he is our franchise player, folks. I know a lot of people saw the Matthews deal and started getting mad that, oh, why don't we why don't we pay these guys big money? We just did. Ilya Sorokin is a franchise player, and if the top players in the league are making $13 million a year, I'm completely comfortable with Ilya making eight for the same amount of time. So excited by the Sorokin deal and everything around Sorokin's good vibes right now. So him and Brock are my two like biggest cold guys. Uh, Jake, where do you have Soroki at this point? Ilya's in the frozen seat. I'm not worried about this at all. Great contract. It doesn't even kick in yet. 
So we still have him on his previous deal, which is awesome, and we even got him on a better deal. Uh, yeah, I'm not worried about him at all. Best goaltender in the league, beta wall. Uh, I have him in the cold seat as well. I do think Brock Nelson is in more of the cold seat than Elias Rokin, just based on the fact that he's got paid a lot of money. So, fine. I think Sorokin will be fine. Obviously, I think he will be, hopefully, win two, two business would be cool to see, maybe three. Uh, he's our guy. He's the best goalie in hockey. But I do think with the contract being signed, sealed, and delivered, there's a little bit of pressure to make sure that he stays at that level, which he will be. I'm not worried about that, but I do think Brock has a little bit less pressure than him. So we all agree there. Yep, sounds good. Um, so next up is Barley. Um, I'll go first on Barley. I have him on the warm seat, I think, you know, with the extension. He has to be better than last year, even though he had good peripherals. It felt like sometimes he was a bit shaky. He has to be a good backup. He has to win more than half the games he's in. Um, Barley has to impress us this season because he's here for four more years, and uh, we don't want that to mean a shaky backup situation. Uh, I'm going to put him in the cold seat. I agree with everything you're saying. My biggest thing was the way he was tracking the puck halfway through the year, or I guess towards uh, November, December to January, I guess, range. Every time there was a shot, he would be looking behind him rather than, you know, he was just showing signs of a lack of confidence, and that's going to happen with guys, especially guys who've been starters their entire career, now becoming a backup. He doesn't get as much ice time. He doesn't really get as much game time with Ilya Sorokin. So what happens? It's a part of the game. He's going to adjust. He'll be more well-adjusted this year. Him and uh, Sorokin are best friends, so there's really no beef between them, which is nice to see. But it's going to take a while for Varlamov to fully become a backup goaltender, which I think hopefully this year he will. So I'm willing to put him in cold. He's in warm for me. He just signed a contract uh four years i believe so he's got to prove that he can you know be this back and goaltender we know for the next four years and that starts in year one of this contract so uh, he needs to perform a little better you know my expectations aren't crazy high but you know he needs to be the barley we know him of so i'm putting him in the lower tier of warm uh i get your points there but he's also still regarded as probably a top 20 25 goalie in hockey as a backup yeah, it's, that's how he's regarded, but he has to shell out this year. I mean, you know, if, if he takes a step back and becomes like, you know, an expensive backup for the next four years, then it's then it kind of becomes a problem. Even if the cap's rising, I don't think it's going to be too big of an issue, but we definitely want to see him back at like a 9-15, 9-10 with all the money he's going to be making because it's a big, uh, big vote of goodwill by the team to keep him around for this long. Yeah, um, that's fair, but you just know that – when Sorokin's not going to play, you also have a very good guy back in there. You're not scrambling to find the next Scott Wedgwood or a Keith Kincaid type guy. Definitely would call Varlama a good goalie. Not sure about good guy. Uh, <laughs> Just a joke there. Uh, but um, anyway, the hottest seat of the night, uh, in my opinion, Oliver Wallstrom. Um, I think, you know, Wally is the one guy coming back on the team that I have no faith in. Um, you know, I really have lost all confidence in this kid. 
And he's going to have to show me something and prove me wrong because I'm not a hater towards him, but he really needs to, like, Shelby wants to be here. I know there were trade rumors this summer. And, you know, he has to show out in camp and be a top six player at this point because anything less than that, like, even uh, even if he becomes a third liner, it's fine. But if he doesn't, you know, ball out this year and he's still getting scratched from games, I'm going to be pretty pissed off. Um, AJ, you can go first here on, on uh, Wallstrom. Definitely the hottest of hot seats is Oliver Wallstrom right now. We'll see what he can do. We know the talent's there. We know that it was unfortunate how his season ended, but he really needs to, you know, prove that he's an NHLer, prove that he was worthy of where he was selected, and prove that he will do whatever it takes to stick in the league. Even a guy like, I don't, I know this is a really bad example for Oliver Wallstrom, but a guy like Jimmy Vesey, look at him. He was signed by the New York Rangers coming off being, you know, the Hobie Baker Award winner, being one of the best, well, actually being the best college player in college hockey, which some people don't really care about because you have guys coming from, you know, OHL and the Q, all that, yada, 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 no one cares. Uh, College hockey, best guy. He was supposed to be, you know, top six forward. He wasn't that, but he was able to evolve his game, and now he's still in NHL over time. If Waldron is not going to be a top six guy, or at very least a power play specialist. Look like look at a guy like Victor Olofsson, for example. He needs to find a way to make himself impactful to hockey games. I don't know if he's going to be willing to accept that like a guy like Jimmy Vc did and has done really, I don't want to say really well and pump his tires too much because it's still fucking Jimmy Vc. but I'll give credit to where, uh, where, it's due, where it's deserved, I guess. The guy knew he wasn't going to be a top six forward, and he became a depth guy, and a pretty decent depth guy at that. And so, I always like those stories. I know, you know, just rambling on now. Uh, I'll put him in the hottest of hot seats. Will Wallstrom take that next step, or find a way to stick it, stick himself in the league still? I don't know. Yeah, scorching hot for me. I mean, this is it, and we've been saying that. It's true. This is literally it for Oliver Wallstrom. If he does not prove the first 20 games of the year, and even in camp that, you know, he shouldn't be here, he's not going to be here. Um, weird offseason, you got to prove it deal, and now he has to prove it. So a lot of pressure on him. Uh, we all know what we want him to be, and he's got to figure out how to do that. Uh, or if he just wants to be a power forward, he, he's got to prove it to stay in this lineup. You know, right now we've talked about these guys. You know, Simon Holmstrom probably deserves a spot over him but they're going to let Wally take that spot. So we'll see what happens, but it, it, it is scorching hot right now. Yep, needs to stay healthy. Needs to have a good attitude. Uh, bonus rounds. Bo- 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 bonus rounds. Uh, Lane Lambert, first off the board. AJ, I'll hand it off to you. Lane Lambert, what seat do you have him on? Definitely hot. If he doesn't have – if the Islanders suck this year, halfway through the year, I wouldn't be shocked if he got canned. I think he'll be fine. I think he'll make it through the season. But he really needs to prove that he could be an NHL coach. He needs to prove that the system he's going to implement is going to work. We don't really know what lane ball is yet, which we've said many times in this podcast. So I'm excited to find out what's going to happen, especially at camp. You know it's going to be a little bit of a weird relationship between the guys and him, especially with the Josh Bailey stuff going on. They just lost one of their best friends and lifelong friend in Josh Bailey, who wasn't very happy with the coach. Will some of them hold a grudge towards Lane Lambert, or will some of them kind of see that maybe it was Josh Bailey's calling call, uh, calling call, uh, no, not calling call, uh, time to go. If you guys could figure out what the phrase I was looking swan for, swan song, swan song. There we go, calling call. What are we doing here, AJ? Uh, swan song. Maybe it was his time to go. 
I don't know. I know, obviously, they're all friends, so it's a very weird spot to be in. Would love to know how they feel on that personally, but who knows. Um, I would put them in the hot seat, but I'm maybe lower end of hot seat, closer to warm. He needs to show out that he's a really good coach, and if not, maybe you look at a guy like Claude Julian to replace him if he's not really doing what we what we're, what we're asking for him. Yeah, I'm confident in Lane. Um, I'm giving him warm. I would say medium end of warm. I uh, still think he's a pretty good coach. I don't think our a lot of our fan base would know. Uh, what a good coach is if it bit him in the butt or if it wasn't Barry Trotz. Like, you know, just as far as NHL coaches go, he did a really good job his first season. I think if the team starts off slow, they're going to stick by Lane for a little bit unless Lou goes back on in his bag. I think he at least gets the season to see if he can figure this out. Um, you know, he did. He had a lot of success with the new guys, bringing in new guys. And where you said that thing about Josh Bailey, I give him all the credit in the world for not playing Josh Bailey just because the locker room loved him. I mean, he was a fresh set of eyes. He got new guys in the door he got the best out of guys like Aho Romanov um maybe not quite uh Cholo but he, he did get a lot of good out of a lot of guys and we did pick up the offensive tempo especially from the back end um so I have Lane in the warm seat maybe after the season if it goes bad but I think no matter what you know as long as he's performing and the team's in a playoff spot Lane's safe seat is safe with me Jake where do you got Lane Lambert yeah, I have him in hot. I still don't know how to feel on him yet. I will agree with you. He does. He did some stuff well last year, developing certain players. Um, there's still some stuff he can work on. Um, but yeah, if they struggle, I mean, part of the blame is going to go to him. So I, I would definitely just put him in for that reason. But not scorching hot, not scorching hot, not like crazy hot. But I think he's in some semblance of the hot seat. Yeah, I, I honestly, I don't think the seat's too hot as far as NHL coaches go. He made the playoffs last year. It's not like, uh, you know, expectations for him aren't crazy high. He just has to do the same thing again. Um, you know, it's not like cup or bust for Lane Lambert this year. If he, as long as they make the playoffs, I think he comes back for year three. But that, that's kind of my opinion. Um, I'm trying to think of other NHL coaches that would necessarily be on the hot take. Any spring your minds here, AJ? Um... Is he on the hottest seat of any NHL coach? I'm, I'm just trying to think. Like maybe he made the playoffs. He made the playoffs year one as a rookie head coach, which is very impressive. He does have a very good team in front of him too, a very, uh, you know, veteran team. So I really can't see anyone that's like. I you you guys talk about it. I'm gonna look up the head coaches real quick. Because... I'm looking through the list of teams now. Sheldon Keith, I could see he's on a pretty hot seat if please. Oh, are... yeah. Um, Cooper safe, Montgomery safe, uh, Maurice. The Panthers could suck this year. He's sticking around. Uh, Granada, maybe, maybe, maybe. Who? Yeah, maybe. Who? Sorry, the Sabres coach. Oh, oh Granado. Um, no, I, I, I mean, you know, I don't think yet. Uh, oh, DJ Smith. DJ Smith is probably in the hot seat. DJ year. Smith's hotter than Lane Lambert. I was just about to get to. Yeah, that. no, yeah. absolutely. The Penguin in Detroit, his seat's pretty cold. They don't expect to win there. Penguin! Um, Montreal, you know, Maurice St. Louis is just the tank commander. Rod seat safe. Um, Devil's guy, Lindy. If they're bad, he's going to get fired, but we'll see yeah, what happens. I don't think it's hot, though. 
I don't think it's hot. Uh, on Broadway, they have old ass Lavi. We'll see what that is. Uh, I think Lane's older than Lavi, but you know, just want to throw a shot in. Uh, he probably has a year, no matter what. Cooper, if the Penguins stink, apparently he's working with Dubis. I don't know. I feel like John Cooper, or not Cooper. What's the name in Pittsburgh? Uh, Sullivan. Sullivan. Yeah, I feel like his reputation's a lot higher than how good he is as an actual coach. But um, his seat seems warm. Uh, the new Washington guy's fine. Torts is gonna go crazy this season uh, with this dog shit team. Babcock safe. Bonus maybe. I'm in the West now, yeah. Uh, bonus, maybe, in Winnipeg. Just trying to look around. The St. Louis coach. Oh, like, maybe This might be the year. What do you think of Woodcroft? Woodcroft. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Evans, yeah. If they're bad. Yeah. Absolutely. I don't think they'll be bad, though. But, like, I don't think... He, it's just a way... It's Connor McDavid. Like, you know. I could coach Connor McDavid, and he could still probably make the playoffs. Yeah, I know, which is, like, it's a coaching issue if they aren't. But, um, yeah, like not too too many bad coaches in the league right now. Um, Greg before Cronin. we get to Lou. He is certainly one of the 32 head coaches in the league. I think DJ Smith is the safest answer. What do we think of Craig Berube, though? I know, like, they're rebuilding. I think I really don't think his seat's hot. No. But it's an interesting, interesting one because they're not looking to be good this year. I think they'll be better than people expect, though, so. The fans don't think he's good is the thing, too. He's lost the fan base. Okay. Yeah. For the Blues, from the Blues fans, I follow on the bird. But next up, Lou Lamorello. Uh, never going to say Lou's seat's hot. You know, he, if last year was the closest, it was going to be the hot. If he's coming back for this year, they're not firing him midseason. No. So I put Lou on the warm seat, and he's going to make it to the end of the year no matter what. I'd he's going on on his own terms. Yeah, exactly. I put him on the cold seat. Let Lou cook. Everything he's done has been pretty much a success there hasn't been too many moves it's like oh my god what are we doing here so yeah i would put lou on the cold seat but uh yeah then people would yell at me and i'm not a fan of that <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, i don't think me. i was gonna yell at you it's it's just like you know this fan base is so rabid for blood all the time that lou to some people has become a war criminal which is just stupid you saved the franchise timo meyer timo meyer well, Horvat was the second line of that verse. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's interesting. Um, you know, if we look at hot seats, AJ has on the hot seat uh, Bo Horvat. He has Ross Johnson. He has Lane Lambert and Oliver Wallstrom. Uh, for Jake on the hot seat, Jake has Lane Lambert, Oliver Wallstrom. Not available for Ross, which counts as hot in my book. Uh, Bo Horvat and Noah Dobson. And then for me, I have Noah Dobson on the hot seat, KG Pajal on the hot seat, Ross Johnson on the hot seat, and Oliver Wallstrom on the hot seat. So uh, pretty, pretty consistent and good there. I think we're good. Um, anything else to talk about quick before we wrap up? I think we covered everything. No, I'm good. No, yeah. Yep, feeling good. All right, everyone. Thanks for making it this far in the episode. Really appreciate you guys kicking it with us these summer episodes. You can follow AJ on Twitter at Devito Hockey. You can follow Jake on Twitter at Prime Jake. You can follow myself on Twitter at Ryan Martin. You can follow the pod on Twitter at Skates and Stakes. Find all of our other socials there. Um, and yeah, we're doing good. Excited to ha- uh, keep going next week. Keep pushing through. Keep doing the summer with you guys. Season's right around the corner. 52 days now. And let's go, Islanders. Raw.